And tonight, I think, is no different. And to be honest with you, as I think about it, and I've been praying about this, um, this talk, this is one that's been on my heart since like a couple of months ago, as I started believing what God would want to say to us. And I believe that this is a message for a couple of Christians in the room. Now, a lot of what we've been talking about over the past six weeks have had a little bit of bent toward uh, non-believers. But this talk tonight is for the believers in the room. And so if you're finding yourself in that category, if you're finding yourself in that place, yes, Steve, I'm a believer, I know Jesus, then this talk is just for you. And I hope that you would lean in a little bit, that you would get uh, maybe a little bit curious about what God would have to say. Here's what I believe. Many of us have tunnel vision on perfectionism. Well, let me, let me talk about that. We have allowed the evil one to lie to us, and we hate it when he lies to us, right? We don't like it when the evil one lies straight to our face. And here's the lie that comes straight from the pit of hell. If you're not perfect, then you're not worthy. And many of us as believers in Christ, right, you love Jesus? Yes, you do. You love Jesus. How about you? Like, woo! Um, like, the, many of the believers in the room, you have convinced or have heard whatever the voice is that if I'm not checking the boxes of performance in my relationship with God, that he must be angry with me or he must, I'm not worthy to be with him. And so many of us in the room have fallen into this trap, into this lie that you have to be perfect in order to know God and to be in relationship with God. And that can be no further from the truth. And some of us, I'm going to identify some of those ways that the evil one has lied to us and told us that God is this type of God, when in reality the God of the Bible does not describe him that way. And so as we dive into this, I want us to think about what is your view of God. How do you view God? When you think about God, what do you think about? What are some of the images that come to your head when you think about God? I have a couple of them. Uh, I, I, I put some nice little clip art on your talk sheet there, you know. Uh, some of you are like, oh, that's so cute. You can put clip art. Um, here's a couple of uh, ideas. Unhealthy views, but a couple of ideas that many of us have this view of God like. One, the very first one is, is that he is a dictator. He's a dictator, right? It's the guy who, who puts the hammer down and oppresses and crushes anyone who opposes him. And some of us have this view of God as being this dictator who sits up there um, in heaven and he's always pointing his finger down and oppressing people and looking to crush them. Some of us may have that view. Another view of God that we may have is a cosmic cop, right? He's the, the cosmic cop that's waiting around the corner, just waiting for you to mess up so he can bust you. Waiting around the corner for your next sin. Like if you if you'd sin in the next moment or two, he's waiting just to, ah, I got you, right? Some of us have this view of God in that way. Another way, another view of God that many of us have is this killjoy that he never wants you to have fun. He, you got to be right all the time, right? You have to act right, be right, do right all the time. And you can't have fun as a Christian, right? Some of us have that viewpoint. 
And you know what? Many non-believers had that viewpoint. Many non-believers think, if I become a believer in Christ, then I will no longer have fun anymore. And we see God as a killjoy. And the number four unhealthy view of God many of us have is that he's temperamental. He's temperamental. That, um, oh, I wonder if God's having a bad day today. And many of us believe that his emotions sway with the wind back and forth based on your performance. Whether you, uh, you, you know, I got my quiet time in today, God. Do you like me? Do you like me now? And we think that he is temperamental. And we believe that for whatever reason, that based on my performance, whether he's going to like me or not. And we're back and forth on emotions. And we believe that and we see that in God. Now, here's the thing. We come by some of these, these like, traits right here, these, these ideas, these views of God. We come by them naturally. Because if you think about it, in our culture, isn't performance a big deal? For all the athletes in the room, performance is a big deal, right? you got to perform on the field for the coach. you got to check the box, get the gold medal, right? We have to have this idea that if I perform, then I'm going to be accepted, or I have to do this, I have to be perfect just so that people around me will like me. And we come by this idea, this unhealthy view of God. And many of us believe that we have tunnel vision. If I can only do it the right way, then, then God will like me and God will accept me. I'm going to pause right here. There may be a believer in the room or unbeliever in the room. There may be an unbeliever in the room right now who thinks, I have to get right before God can accept me. Performance. And I'm, I hope that tonight, as we go through this night, you begin to see a God that absolutely loves you. And no matter where you are, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how bad you think the sin is, he loves you and cares for you. And he wants to be in a relationship with you right here, right now. And I pray that even as we go through the rest of this night, that some of you may be churning in that right now and just thinking, I haven't been performing right for God. And I pray that even you would simply settle your heart into reality that there's a relationship that God desires to have for you, and it has nothing to do with your performance. Amen? Amen. Some of you are wrestling with this idea, like, I don't have to perform for God. No, you don't. He did all the work for you. He's, he's done it all. He did the work. You don't have to do the work. He did it all for you. And what does it mean for us to have a healthy view of God in such a way that we can live out the relationship that God has for us? This relationship that is full of abundance, overflowing, John 10, 10 kind of life. That Jesus came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So I want to dive into this. I, I, oh, this, oh. Oh this, oh, this is good. Because there's going to be some students tonight that are going to get freed up. And I pray that freedom would reign in this moment. I'm, I'm believing that for many of you. Some of you are shackled by the performance that you are not living in freedom when it comes to your relationship with God. And I, I'm praying that tonight God would do a work in your heart. I hope you would listen that you would not necessarily listen to my voice, but you would listen to the Spirit of God as He wants to come alongside you and free some of you up because you're bondage. You have tunnel vision on your performance. And I pray that you would enter into a relationship with Him. 
and that you would hear him clear as day say, I love you, and I'm with you, and I'm for you. So I hope you're listening tonight. All right, back in. All right. Um, So many of us have this unhealthy view of God, and we're trying in this moment, this unhealthy view, we're trying to form God into our own image. Y'all, that's a sin. Like when we try to take God and put these characteristics on him like a dictator, right? Uh, A killjoy. He's temperamental. We're trying to form him into our own image so that we can best understand him. And I get it. That's human nature. We try to do that. But here's the reality of it. You can't put God in a box. Can you? That's the part where you answer. No. Like you can't. You can't put God in a box. So why in the world would we take our little and try to form him into that? Or better yet, why would we even try to use some of our insecurities and those things that we have around us to try to form him into something that is likable to our, to our hearts and to our lives? And many of us allow those insecurities that we have with ourselves and the people around us to try to best put him in a box and determine that relationship that we have with God. And that's where it becomes temperamental. And many of us believe that he likes me or he doesn't like me in this moment. He likes you, by the way. He likes you a lot. A lot. Um, And here's the thing. We have an unhealthy view of God because we're not wanting to get to know him in the word. We have this unhealthy view, and we have all of these different unhealthy views because we're not reading God's word. We're just not connecting with him in that way. Maybe we're not engaging in God's word. We're not reading it for ourselves, but yet we'll, we'll watch an Instagram post or we'll, we'll watch a YouTube video or we'll see some catchy cliche or some really meme and we go, oh, that's really cool. That's who God is right there. But we never take the time to work and to do our part to get to know God through his word. Y'all, he's a talker and he wants to say something and he's saying it right now if you would only listen. And we find that and we see that in God when we connect with him in his word. You know, many of us are not reading God's word because you've given up on the performance thing. You're like, God bless you, by the way. We're not reading God's word in such a way to get to know him. But we're just reading God's word just to check the box. Hey, God, guess what? I did it. I did it. Look, I did it three days in a row, God. We're doing it just for performance. And instead of allowing it to have a relationship with him, to engage with him in that way. So who is our God? If we're going to engage in God's word, who is he? Who is he? How can I have a better, healthy view of God? Some of us need to change this viewpoint. And I'm going to ask you to do that tonight. And I want you to see the reality of God. Now, many ways we can understand God and we know God is a lot of times it's through the names of God. Although tonight I'm not going to really dive into the names of God. But if you want more of a, a study of who he is, look at those things. Look at the names of God that we all see out through Scripture. So I'm just going to take just six different characteristics as it relates to our unhealthy view of God. And I'm just going to allow God's Word to tell us who God is as we have these different unhealthy viewpoints. One, who is God? He's not a dictator. He's not. 
He's not a dictator. Yes, he is the creator of all things. And yes, he does hold all things together, but he is not a dictator. He doesn't continue, and he is always ready to forgive, and he's ready to live in a relationship with each one of us. He is compassionate and loving. Romans 8.1 says this, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Can you just read that for yourself? Just read that on the screen. There is now no what? Condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He's not a dictator with his finger pointing at you, condemning you right now. If you're a believer in Christ, oh, hear those, hear those words. Deuteronomy 4.31 says this, For the Lord your God is a compassionate God. He's merciful God. He will not abandon you, nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant that your fathers, which he swore to them. In other words, he, he, he remembers. He's a promise keeper. He is one that, he's not a dictator. He's going to change his mind because you do something. Like he, he, He's not pointing his finger down at you. He's not a dictator. Number two, he is a life giver. He's a life giver. He's not a life taker. If you're thinking that he's temperamental, he's going to change his mind, or if you think he's going to be, you know, cosmic cop waiting around the corner, no, he's a life giver. He has come. He sent his one and only son as proof of the life that he wants to give to us. His son took death on our behalf. Why? So that we could have life. He paid the death penalty for you. He wants to give you life. And not just eternal life in heaven, but he wants to give you hope in life for today. Y'all, come on, for today. Romans 8, 11 says this, But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, that's a lot of power right there, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. And I, I've said this verse before. I've said it through this whole series is John 10, 10. And he says there at the very end, of it, it says, I have come that you may have life and have life to the full. Abundant life, John 10, 10. So he's a life giver. He's not a dictator. He's a life giver. Number three, he's a good father. A good father. Now, many times we take this, uh, the concept of earthly father and we put it on God. Many of us don't have a healthy view of an earthly father. For whatever reason, earthly father was not the godly example that we needed him to be. And so many times we think, well, my dad left me, so God must love, like, is going to leave me too. And so we really need to work hard for those that have that kind of mentality, that kind of thought. We have to work really hard to change our viewpoint of who God is because he is a good father. We read again in Romans 8 where he says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Man, if you're needing something from him, if you need anything in life, know that there is a good father who is out to love and to care for you and to support you the way that you need it. Whatever that may be in life, if you're going through a bad breakup, wouldn't it be nice to sit in your daddy's lap? Wouldn't it be nice? Even as a dude, like I enjoyed being with my dad. 
And there are moments when either he would throw ball with me or moments when I'm sitting watching football with him. And I just look over at my dad and I'm like, that's, that's, that's kind of cool. I'm hanging out with my dad. He loves me. Yet many times we have those kind of thoughts and we really struggle to really believe that he is a good father. And he wants to hear from you. He wants to hear from you. He wants to know you. He wants to have communication with you. And if you have that right perspective of him being a good father, then you're going to want to spill the beans with him every time you get, to, or get around him. You want to communicate with him. You want to talk with him because guess what? He's a talker and he's going to talk back to you as well. So he's not a dictator. He's a life giver. He's a good father. Number four, he's a chain breaker. Chain breaker. Sin breaks in the presence of God. All those sin patterns that you might have as a part of your life and you may be struggling with, even for the believers in the room, you're tempted by sin and maybe those sin patterns are getting the best of you. Just realize that who God is, he's a chain breaker. He wants to break those chains of sin in your own heart and your life. So how do I do that? What do I do? Romans 8, 20 to 21 says this. It says, For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who has subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also will be, get this, set free. There's freedom, y'all. There's freedom in God. It's for savoring corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Y'all, he wants to help you break those chains of sin. Why? One, because he can. And two, his heart for you is freedom. His heart for you is to have peace, not the guilt of sin living over you. If you're struggling with guilt and shame for, because you think, oh, I'm too far gone, my sin's so bad. No, that's not who he is. He is a God who desires to be in relationship with you and will do whatever it takes to keep that relationship good. And if sin creeps in or mistakes happen in life, guess what? He's not the cosmic cop waiting around the corner just to bust you. No. If anything, he's right there with you. He's in the closet of your loneliness. He's sitting in the closet with you. He's sitting with you in the despair of your sin, the guilt of your sin that maybe you'd be struggling with right now. He's not absent. Oh, no. He's there with you. He's in your midst. He's sitting with you. He's dwelling with you. He wants to know what's going on, and he desires for his children to say something. Just say something. Just talk to me, and I will be quick to come, quick to come and break those chains of sin. Number five, he's a helper. He's a helper. He's not going to leave you alone. He's not going to just ditch you off to the side. Man, we, all, we see throughout the Bible, all those that called upon the Lord, he came. You think about the Israelites who were in captivity, those Israelites were stuck in Egypt. They were under the oppression of the Pharaoh. Guess what? They cried out to God. And when they cried out to God, guess what? He heard them. He heard their cry. And what did he do about it? He sent a dude named Moses, right? He sent Moses, you know, burning burst moment. And then Moses stands before Pharaoh in the power of God, says, let my people go, right? And what happens? Pharaoh lets him go. Of course, there was a bunch of plagues and a bunch of people and a bunch of locusts and, you know, frogs everywhere. Like, you know, there are some major elements there. River turns red with blood, you know, all the things. But Pharaoh lets him go and whew, the 
the seas part, and the Israelites walk into freedom. Why? Because God is a helper. He wants to help you. He's not against you, y'all. He's not against you. Hear that. He's not putting his hand up and saying, oh gosh, Steve, I don't want to ever talk to you ever again. That's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible says, cry out to me and I will help you. Oh gosh, that's awesome. That's awesome to know. Number six, and probably one of the best ones, is that he's unchanging. He's unchanging. This is our God. This is the verse. I love it. This is the verse that Daniel just read. Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, principalities, things present, things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor any created thing will be able to separate me from the love of Christ. Y'all, please memorize that verse. Please. To realize that no matter what you do in life, no matter where you find yourself, no matter the perfectionism you're struggling with, he wants to free you of that perfectionism. And the love that he has for you, there's nothing that you can do that can separate him, separate you from the love that he has for you. It doesn't matter where you go, no matter what you've done, no matter what's going on, he loves you. And that love for you is unchanging, regardless of what you do in your heart and your life. He doesn't change by that. He doesn't look at your sin and go, oh gosh, that's Steve. Oh golly, I can't believe. No, that's not how he thinks. That's not what he's in for. That would be such against the character of God that he absolutely loves you. He loves you. He proved it by sending his one and only son to die the death that you deserve. If that's not proof enough of the love that God would have for you, oh gosh, I don't know what it would be. There's a realization that somebody would die for you. Like, they would die for you. What? That's, that's a lot of love. He's unchanging. I love it. Numbers 23, 19. Numbers. Out of all the books in the Bible, numbers. This is what's in it, right? God is not a man that he would lie, nor a son of man that he would change his mind. Has he said he will not do it? Or has he spoken and he will not make it good? <laughs> Please hear that. God is not changing his mind about you. He's not. And what is his mind is made up. You know what his mind is made up of? L-O-V-E. That's his mind for you. It is not looking at your sin and going, oh gosh. He's not having a bad day when he comes to you. No, 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 no. L-O-V-E. He loves you. He loves you so much, he wants to make things right. And he makes things right through the death of his son. No matter what you're going through or no matter what sin you're struggling with or you think you're too far gone, oh guys, please, please, please hear me this. He loves you and he desires for you to come back. <sighs> please. Rest your heart, y'all. Rest your heart. It's not about your performance. God's not in on your performance. He's not. He's not looking for you to be perfect either. Whew. 
Somebody need to hear that. Three things I want us to understand about this. Three things, kind of healthy ideas as we think about this. One, (laughs) I've said this every week, and I'm going to say it again. You probably could fill in the blank right now. What is it? What is that blank? Feelings, right. (laughs) Our feelings are not good leaders, especially when it comes to our relationship with God. Especially. I wrote a couple of things down. Just because we don't feel like God is present, his word declares that he is. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Just because we don't feel like God is talking, his word declares he does. Just because we may feel like God is mad at me, his word says he's not. Just because we don't feel like reading God's word or talking with him doesn't mean we shouldn't. Did y'all hear that? Oh, God, I just don't feel like it. I don't get the butterflies anymore when I read your word. Oh, I'm so sorry. Y'all, when the trash piles up, what do you do? When the trash piles up at your house, what do you do? You take out the trash. Do you you have to feel good about doing that? Real question. No, there's some things that just really needs to be done, right? That's probably one of them. (laughs) That's generally probably one of them. Engaging in God's word and connecting with God in that way, you may feel like, I'm having a bad day today, and I, you know, he must not love me, so I'm not going to read God's word. If anything, if you're having a bad day, it probably might be wise that you would read God's word. Right? Or maybe if you are having a great day, maybe it might be a good idea to get in God's word and celebrate it. So in my mind, in my logic, no matter if it's good or bad, right, probably need to do a good thing. And that good thing is getting to know the God of the universe who knows me, who loves me, and desires to be in a relationship with me. And if I know that and I have that viewpoint of God, no matter what's going on in my life, oh, I want to engage with that. I want to have that kind of relationship with him. So our feelings are not good leaders. And our feelings should never be the basis of our relationship with Jesus. You want me to say that again? You can put that in the notes and quotes at the bottom. Our feelings should never be determine the relationship we have with Jesus. His feelings don't change about you, so why would your feelings need to change about him? That was a little Jesus juke, sorry. Number two, the number thing, number next there. The relationship is mutual and not one way. When we draw near to God, he draws near to us, James 4, 8. When he speaks, his, we know his voice, John, 4, John 10, 4. When we seek his will and plan for our lives, he leads, Matthew 6, 33. Falling into the trap of believing our relationship with the Lord is one way, is leading us in bitterness toward the Lord. If you think my relationship with God is just me and him, me, 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 him, me with him, that's when bitterness kind of starts to set in and you never realize that he actually is talking back to you. And he desires to say something, and it becomes a two-way relationship. Many of us believe it's only one way. Do you see that? But this relationship that we have with God is two-way. 
And trust me, you're like, well, Steve, he's never said anything before. My question would be, are you listening? Or are you just too busy with your perfectionism and checking the box that you're not stopping and just to listen? Because trust me, he's a talker and he wants to have a conversation with you. The next one is apathy is a great indicator of what you believe about God. And you're probably like, what? Do you know what apathy is? Shake your head. You know what apathy is? Basically, apathy is this. Stillness with God, I could care less. Apathy is, you could talk all you want, I could care less. No matter what you say, no matter what you do, no matter where I go, no matter what environment it is, I'm just, yeah, I'm out. Apathy, if you're finding yourself apathetic in your life or in your relationship with the Lord or even in this room, it's a very good indicator of what you believe about God. Your apathy says, he doesn't care about me, so why should I listen? Your apathy is an indicator of what you view about God, that he is not interested in you, so why would I engage with him? Both of those are wrong viewpoints of God. You have, for whatever reason, become jaded, frustrated. It just didn't happen. Maybe you're putting your relationship with God and determining it based on circumstances in your life. If this thing bad went happened, he must not love me anymore. He must not like me because this happened. Or, you know, we put those conditional kind of things on God, and that's not true. And many of those will lead to bitterness. We go to this insider kind of thing, like, oh, I don't want to, no, I don't like God. We get bitter because it didn't go the way that you wanted. But maybe it went the way God wanted. And maybe there's a reason why he's not allowing you to have that sin pattern in your heart and your life because it's probably not good for you. But you want it so bad. Maybe God just is not there yet for you. It's not a bad thing. He's just got something better for you. And you're impatient and wanting to wait for it. And so you will get apathetic, you'll get silent, and you'll get bitter in your relationship with God. And here's what I believe. Some of you in the room are that way right now. It's what I believe. I can see it all over you. I can see it in your body posture. I can see it in how you're, you're even thinking about the things that I'm talking about. Many of you are very apathetic. And my heart and my hope in this moment is that you would hear the love of God that screams at you, says, I want to talk to you. So three things I want us to understand. Three things, and then we'll wrap it up. How we view God determines the quality and the value of our relationship with him. So here's some practical helps I want to help you come alongside, maybe break the chains of perfectionism. Here's the first one. Read it. Read it. Read God's word. Here's the thing. You have to change your why. You have to change your why. Why do you get in God's word? You have to change your why. And this is probably the hardest thing for all of us in the room to do. Because we have convinced ourselves, if you're a perfectionist, you've convinced yourself that reading God's word is about checking a box performance. You have to change your why. 
I can't do that for you. Only you can do that for you. There's got to be a switch where you begin to see the reality of who God is, the desire that he has to be in relationship with you, and the lengths that he went on the cross in order to have that relationship with you, and how he desires to know you and to come alongside you, to forgive you, to love you the way that you need the love. You have to change your why. In other words, I'm going to God's word not to check a box. I'm going to God's word because I want to know him. I want to know him. I want to know and experience his love for me. James 1.27 says this. It says, therefore, rid yourselves of all filthiness. Love that. That's a great word. Filthiness and all that remains of the wickedness and humility. And humility. Receive the word implanted which is able to save your souls. Receive the word in humility. In other words, God, you're bigger than me. You know my life. You know all things. And so therefore, I want to I get in God's word in such a way, man, I, I'm listening to him. I'm learning from him. And I'm experiencing a relationship with him. This is not legalism. This is not legalism. It is simply a relationship, y'all. He wants a relationship with you. Don't make it about performance. Make it about a relationship. Number two, capture it. Watch out for the lies from the evil one. Capture those lies and filter it through God's word. Is what I'm believing or hearing truly what God wants for me? And if it's not, then we're going to capture that thought and we're going to surrender it to the Lord and we're going to say, God, this thought that I have about you is wrong. I'm going to throw it out. The, the thought I have of you is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all those things. John 8, 31 through 32 says, So Jesus was saying to the Jews, those who had believed in it, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth. And guess what? The truth will what? Set you free. Perfectionism traps you. Relationship frees you. You hear that? Number three, we need to live it. Read it, capture the lies, and live it. What would it look like if you truly walked in relationship with Jesus in your life? Just picture that. What would it, what would it look like? What would it be like to have the fullness of joy, to have peace, Hope and life, all of those things are found in enjoying a relationship with God. This is the freedom that he has for you. The freedom that every one of you are longing for is freedom from the guilt of sin, freedom from peace and joy, all those things. He wants to give that to you. John 10, 10 says, I came so they may have life and have it more abundantly. First John 1, 9, probably one of the greatest verses ever to help us enjoy freedom is if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of those sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Y'all, that's it. That's freedom. Some of you need to repent. You've allowed the sin to entangle your heart. Repent. Enjoy the freedom. Enjoy the relationship that comes in knowing and experiencing the love of God. Y'all, this is it right here. If we're going to end this series on tunnel vision, this is how we end it. Is What is it like to walk in complete joy and peace in our relationship with the Lord. To know that when He loves you, He cares for you. 
He's a helper. He's unchanging. Like he's for you. He's not against you. Have that right relationship with him. Enjoy the peace that comes in knowing a right relationship with him. So I'm going to ask you the question. Do you know the God of the Bible? Have you experienced the God of the Bible? Do you know him? Or have you manufactured your own thoughts and tried to put God in your own little box? And maybe tonight you're, you're in that spot. You're in that tension. Like you're in that tension right now. Steve, I hear what you're saying, but I, I still, I'm, I'm, I'm just not there yet. Some of you are in that spot of rather, it's about changing your why. It's about changing your why. Like I said, I can't make you change your why, but I pray and I hope that maybe tonight or even the past six weeks, seven weeks as we've been dealing with this topic, maybe tonight is the night for you to go, you know what? Ding, light bulb's going off. Maybe it's time to start enjoying a relationship with God and what that looks like. To walk in obedience, not out of duty, but out of love that he has for you, that you would reflect it back to him. He loves me, I wanna love him. He loved me so much that he sent his one and only son to die on a cross for me. Guess what I can do for him? Love him back, right? It's not, hey, Steve, I love you so much that I want you to check your box. I want you to perform. I want you to be better. No, that's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is simply this, that yet while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. He loved you that much. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That's what it means to be in a right relationship with God is to experience that love that he has for you and to walk in the freedom of that. Not in the captivity of that, but to walk in the freedom of that. Y'all, this is deep stuff, all right? <laughs> like this is like churn it up deep. And I want you to check your heart. I love you enough to ask you this. Check your heart. Check your why. Why are you doing what you do? Why are you interacting with God the way that you're interacting with him? And I would challenge you to measure it up against what we've talked about tonight. Have you been performing for God? Or are you walking in relationship with God? Because I think we've all revealed tonight that walking in performance is a sin. But walking in relationship is love. Right? So where are you? Where's your relationship? Where are you at? What do you think about God? Is maybe your why changing tonight? Maybe for the unbeliever in the room, you've had this wrong view of God and maybe here tonight you've heard the message that he loves you. That no matter what you've done in your, in, in your past, really, no matter what you've done, it doesn't matter what it is. You may think it's the worst thing ever. How in the world would God love me? Doesn't he know what I did? And you're allowing that thought to prevent you from experiencing the peace that you're longing for. And so my, my invitation to you tonight is to accept the love of God and to the, accept the forgiveness of God for your sin and for all the things that you think you're too far gone for. And to believe that he died on the cross for you, that he paid the penalty for your sin. He loved you that much. He wants to be in a right relationship with you. And tonight's your night. Tonight's the night to say, yes, Steve, I'm all in for Jesus. I see what he did for me. I'm, I'm, gonna, 
I'm going to accept the forgiveness once and for all.